0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 37 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. I'm Rod Morrie and after several episodes where we've welcomed authors onto the show, this episode is just a good old-fashioned roundtable about Bubba's second Green Jacket win last week. I call them co-hosts each week, but the truth is that Jeff Shackleford and Mike Clayton are each worthy guests in their own right. It's good to have them both aboard today. A good morning slash evening slash afternoon to you, Jeff, in the US. I can't keep up with the time zone, especially in this daylight savings era. Uh, Good afternoon. Yeah, afternoon. There you go. I knew I'd have it in there somewhere. And from a time zone that I can keep up with Mike Michael, Clayton Clayton, looking forward to your insights on one of the games, more, shall we say, unorthodox characters in uh, Bubba Watson.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff.
0: Diplomatically put. Chuck, I wanted to start with you. You were on site, obviously, at Augusta National for the week, and I know you've been there before. Just a quick thumbnail sketch. Overall thoughts on the week, the course, how it unfolded, Sunday's play, Bubba Watson winning. Um, was it a good vibe there this year?
2: Yeah, it was a great vibe once the uh, the rain went away on Monday and, and the course was, uh, you know, very nice. The, uh, early in the week, it was apparent the greens were – A little faster than they have been and that that would uh, impact things. And sure enough, it did on Sunday, I think. Uh, Well, I think it did all week. It it was very defensive golf, which uh, they seem to like that. And then they seem to think that uh, they can kind of uh, flip a switch with some hole locations on Sunday and maybe slow the greens down a little bit. And the guys will perform, and we've seen this happen a few times. They got spoiled the last couple of years, uh, where the guys did perform. But this year, they—they, they, uh, I think that defensive golf had kind of gotten to them by, by Sunday. We did have some fireworks there in the morning, but uh, the greens were just incredibly fast. Uh, but all in all, no, I thought uh, it was a great week. I mean, I—I've been picking Bubba for months, and it's—it's uh, it's, uh, he performed, and the course is set up beautifully for him.
0: And good that you're not smug about it. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> That'd be terrible. It was a bizarre- I never pick a winner, no. so I have to enjoy <laughs> yeah, this that's one. That's right. You don't get many chances, do you? It was a really weird one, wasn't it, Shaq? I mean, they say it begins the back nine Sunday. This one ended on the back nine Sunday. Yeah. The fireworks were on the front nine. It was very unusual.
2: It was, and then uh, the stats revealed that the this new hole location they've used two years in a row on the 15th didn't uh, give up. There were no no Eagles, no birdies on 17 on Sunday, uh, I think there were two Eagles early on on 13. And uh, so it was it was I'm not sure what that was. But again, my 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 belief and Clates might be able to speak to this is that, uh, again, you just you just can't ask even the best players in the world to be uh, so defensive for so many days. And then and then just absolutely give us a rush of birdies. It's got to it's got to be, I think, somewhat gettable, as uh, I believe Tiger uses uh, used the uh, description for Muirfield the last day, which is still rather funny to me. But it's got to be gettable every day, and I don't know if that was the case. There was also a lot of wind. I mean, that that uh, that period where, where uh, Bubba had five birdies in a row on Friday, which was the most exciting point of the week, at least – To me, when I was out on the course when he was doing it and there were some some roars, uh, that came with a lot of wind. He did that under some very, probably the most difficult conditions of the week, which uh, made that just that much more admirable. He's an interesting
0: character, isn't he, Clates? And I I know you wrote a piece about it for the Golf Australia website, talking about, you know, players are into swing lines and planes and everything's got to have a certain look. Bubba has his own look. It looks nothing like anybody else. But in some ways, I guess, and I noticed this at Royal Melbourne at the President's Cup too. Augusta National, Royal Melbourne, big grand sort of courses with lots of big sweeping change—maybe just suit him perfectly because he's kind of that ADD character. You know? They must fire the imagination. It's not boring golf, is it? It's probably right up his alley.
1: Well, he needs space to play, so Royal Melbourne's perfect for that. And as is Augusta, you've got—you're not poking the thing down narrow fairways with rough on the side. So it's—it certainly suits his creative nature. And I know, yeah, it goes back to Mackenzie again. That was what he wanted to encourage. That's why he built courses the way he did because he didn't like negative poking golf. You know, he de- detested narrow fairways because he hated the way it made people play. So not surprising you see guys with flair and imagination when you're at Augusta. But you go to the US Open, even though has to be different this year, you go to a normal US Open course, then his chances are much diminished. Well,
0: Norman on Twitter sort of compared him to Sevy. That's probably a bit, a bit too much. But you can see the similarities there, can't you? He very much oh. sees things that others don't.
1: Yeah, the same. I mean, yeah, they just hit shots that other guys don't see because they can and because the golf course gives them the chance to hit those shots. So you know, that's why they're the best courses in the game really.
0: Bubby, you get the feeling it's just to keep him entertained. You can't imagine anything more boring than trying to hit the ball straight. What about uh, your take on what um, Shaq was saying there, Claude? They set the course up so you have to be defensive for the first three days and you can't just flick the switch and become aggressive on the last day and that's perhaps what happened this year. What's your thoughts on that as a player? You've played lots of tournaments around the world. Do you see that sort of thing much?
1: Oh, yeah, probably, but it it just... As Shaq said, it looks like when you try and putt on greens like that, you're always, at least I was, maybe that's because I was a bad putter, but you're always conscious of three-putting from anywhere. You can three-putt from five feet, four or five feet, so you're always, you know, get on that 15th green, you lip it out and it slides another six feet down the hill, so you're always two-putting before anything else, really. So, and they, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, but they looked incredibly fast on TV. Just the ball was skating everywhere, so it's... Very difficult to play.
0: Certainly some of the lip outs. You saw uh, plenty of runners, they went past. Well, the fourth hole in particular for the week, Jeff, looked just horrendous. We saw, I think, Scott four putted it. Um, the lip out he had for his, with his, yeah. putt was you know, six, eight feet, it must have gone. Yeah. After that. And, of course, the, the last group both birded it on the final day, which is pretty amazing stuff. But that hole, were there any holes that were really on the edge? That hole looked to me, I saw a number of players, I think it was on the second or third day, really struggling to just get anywhere near a three on that, uh, that powerful three-fourth.
2: Yeah, and they, of course, played at 240, which which with any wind is silly. Uh, 17, obviously, was borderline on, on Sunday just because nobody could uh, do much there. Uh, really, they all were. They were all about 14, and and they were that way. Uh, I heard early, well, actually, the, the previous week, uh, Adam Scott's dad, Phil, so the first green he uh, walked up to when they played on Friday, the, the first green, he five-putted. And he said he was done. He was just he was he couldn't that was it for him. He, he couldn't putt the rest of the way. He was totally it it just ruined him. And uh, I me, mean, he had a great time. He said, but it's he said he just couldn't fathom how these players perform as well as they do there with with the greens being that fast. And he said, then you know the members, it just it, it was completely unfathomable to him how they, they would enjoy that. And of course, for those who don't know, he's a golf pro. Phil Scott. right it's he's not, like, not a match yeah <laughs> no right. so uh, he, he said it's fun it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing but he said they have a little bit of that that uh, certainly that approach to to uh, the faster we can get them the better and and uh, I don't again I, I don't find that very uh, it's fun to play every once in a while but I can't imagine that it's it's uh, it would be much fun on a regular basis you've always said this having you tight firm and fast is good but you can be too
0: firm and fast where the golf just gets silly.
1: Yeah, and um, Phil Scott's a yipper as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's patched uh, side saddle. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. he's not the world's best putter, so don't read too much into the five putt. But interestingly, I played at Royal Melbourne yesterday where the new greenkeeper there, Richard Forsyth, who was at Augusta, um, he's got those greens on a consistent basis, hard and fast, and it was great fun yesterday. Boy, it was just fantastic golf. You know, it was really playing like it, plays in the tournament almost. So, you know, obviously, much more difficult for the members to handle. In truth, they really can't play the golf course you know, particularly well. You know, If you're a 20 marker and the greens are 12 and hard, they don't have much chance, especially when they're that severe. But, you know, if you're playing good golf, it was it was so much fun yesterday. It was great. Can we uh, deduce
0: from that that you were playing good golf, Clayton? You sound pretty happy with yourself.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I played all right. We all played all right. You know, I played with a friend of Gil Hansen's and, well, and Sue played, Sue O played. So the three of us, you know, it was interesting to see three different sort of standards of players all trying to manage it and it, it worked out pretty well. But, you, you know, when the Greens get that hard and fast, the members can't really play. them. They, they three-part half the time. And
0: there's, uh, there's not a whole lot of fun in that. What was your take on the week, plates? Of course, we get to watch it on TV here in Australia. I know you would have loved to have been there, but Jeff Ogilvie didn't make the field as we know and so you didn't, uh, you didn't attend this year. What was your take from watching on TV, your feeling about, uh, about Augusta this year?
1: What's well, always obviously good to watch. I thought that the air went out of it a bit on eight and nine, when two birdies to two bogeys, and that was it. So, I mean, watching Bubba was fun for me. We'll, I guess we'll get to it at some point. The, the the most damning shot and the most interesting shot, and the, the shot perhaps hopefully heard at St Andrews, and <laughs> it was was Bubba's drive on the thirteenth hole, which was, you know, at some point, when is someone going to do something about this? Yeah, you know, he's not going to be the only one in the next twenty years. who's going to start hitting wedges into the thirteenth hole. And when is someone going to do something about the golf ball?
0: Shaq, you can probably clarify this a bit. I mean, three hundred and sixty-six yards he hit it off the tee. There, Jordan Spieth said he thought he'd hit it seventy yards out of bound when it left. The, right. The club yeah. Because he actually hit it sort of through the trees. I'm guessing he's hit a draw there. Which is a particularly unusual. It glanced off a tree as well. Gary Player wrote about this, which you put on your website, that it was a mockery that uh, millions got to see. Clates has alluded to it there. Um, that was kind of a one-off shot, wasn't it? I don't. I think we all agree that the ball goes too far, but using that shot as the post yeah, is I don't. Not yeah, ideal is it?
2: I don't think so. No, and I saw one piece written that they need to bubba proof the course, and 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 the problem I have with that is that. He's actually doing, well, one, he's doing this hitting a cut, which is incredible in itself. But um, And that one did nick the trees, according to CBS. Uh, And I asked Watson in the press conference after, uh, and he said that one definitely got away from the line he intended. That said, he is hitting the ball so straight, uh, and I don't mean straight, but uh, accurately, where he wants to hit it. And he's hitting it far, and he's doing it – He's and I saw this at Riviera, which was why I picked him. He's doing it when he needs to do it. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. When he needs to hit it low, he hits it low. When he needs to hit it with a slight draw, he can do that. That's a struggle more than the cut, but he can do it. And he's got every shot, and to uh, – I, I just don't feel like that drive or his drives on 15 were – as uh, much of I, I I I'd hate to get into that that uh, mentality of of pointing at those as as a reason to do things, even though we know there are many reasons. Uh, that was just incredible skill, and he just did some incredible things under pressure. So I hope that because I think that, oh, the reason I say this is I think it defeats uh, those of us who are making this case uh, to pick on those kinds of instances when somebody's just displaying great skill. And he is freakishly. Oh, it's unbelievable. And he just doesn't look that strong. Uh, and, and again, he's doing this hitting a cut. This is not some big power draw with a ton of roll. This is, this is, a, this is a cut that doesn't roll much. And
0: a pink golf club.
2: which is just- And a pink driver, yeah. yeah
0: Clayton, 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, when the money wasn't as good in professional golf, Bubba would have been the ideal Vegas player, wouldn't he? He could have made a killing with that golf swing, beating place yeah. left, right, and center in Vegas for large sums of money, I would have thought.
1: They wouldn't, they'd have figured out pretty quickly he could play. But it's good to see someone who doesn't swing perfectly conventionally. You watch golf now, there are so many swings that look the same, but they are the same. They just follow the same lines. And, you know, the, I mean, whilst you can't say that individuality's gone out of everybody's swing, it's now more than ever, there are guys who swing much more conventionally, and which is, you know, it's good they play better because they do it. But, it's always interesting to watch someone do it differently. Well, and
0: it is interesting to watch Bubba. Play, whether you like him or not, and a lot of people don't like Bubba. But whether you like him or not, he is interesting to play to watch play golf, isn't he? Because of yeah. all those amazing shots that he hits as a pro. Clates, when you see somebody like Bubba for the first time, um, what do you think? I mean, other pros, do they not put so much stock in what the swing looks like? As an amateur, you'd see him on the drive round, You think this guy? There's no way he could play hitting it like that.
1: Why? It's one thing to watch the swing. It's another thing to watch the ball. So I'm sure if you watch the ball, you'd figure out that, wow, you know, that guy can really play. I the first He played at Huntingdale years ago in the Australian Masters. I think he – did he lose a the playoff there or did he finish? He, he, I know he played well, but, yeah, you know, I watched him the play then. And we oh, could in the
0: mid 90s, was it? Yeah, I think you're
1: right. Actually. No, no, it was after that. But uh, it, might have been, it might have been 10 years ago maybe? Yeah, no, I,
0: think, I, I think you're right. I do remember that, yes. Yeah.
1: And he, uh, he he put on a bit of, of, of a performance because they do the draw differently here. They don't so, somehow the, they they pick the pairings for the final groups differently than they or they did then than they did in America. And he thought he thought he should have been in the final group, and he was in the second last group. And he thought they were discriminating against him. And he he put on a big performance, and they finally time to sharp and go away. And I think he played in the second last group, but um, he did he played really well down here And of course that. I mean, Huntingdale's the narrowest, most penal constricting course in the country. So it's not yeah. like he can't play on a narrow golf course because that was really narrow. Mm, yeah,
0: funny skill. He probably put us, lumped us in with the French, I'd say, Shaq. Um, yeah. Based on that, he's, he's, he is a fascinating character, isn't he, Shaq? As I said, a lot of people don't like him and, you know, he's done some things that have made all of us sort of cringe a bit. But he just seems to live on the red line. I had a look at those videos you posted on your site from his Golf Channel appearance he just turned up there out of the blue. They weren't expecting him. He genuinely lives on the red line emotionally, doesn't he? I mean, he, he is prone to tear up at any given moment. Um, he, he's genuinely just – he doesn't seem to have a governing switch to keep things on an even keel.
2: Well, that's true, but uh, the thing that, that was, I think, most revealing of all uh, was on the weekend, he, uh, you know, he wasn't having a good day Saturday and he just played two really good rounds and he was kind of having that, that post-good round, bad round and uh he stayed very even keel and and very level-headed and that's kind of on saturday i was just laughing listening to all the uh, the the in the press room where he's not liked at all for for some reasons i can understand some i can't uh they nobody was was uh giving him a chance sunday and if you in the poll on my website nobody gave him a chance and i kept thinking god he he looks awfully calm and pe- at peace and then sunday same thing you know i the when Spieth hold that bunker shot, uh, yeah, I think in the past Bubba maybe even gets a little rattled by that, and he made that putt, which any putt on that green, as we just talked about, is is uh, a good putt to make. And uh, he just he just was very level headed, so that's what makes him. If he can kind of uh, keep that emotional vibe to him, but also keep this uh, this this uh, even keel thing going on the course, is where he can finally. Um, really live up to his potential because he just he's – he's got pretty much everything going for him. He's got
0: a, he, he has got a gift, hasn't he? I mean, the, the par he made on 18 on Saturday, particularly under the circumstances. as so Yeah. Things were, were going backwards. A bit like John Daly, he's got an amazing pair of hands around the green that get overlooked because he hits it so far, and that's all that anybody talks about. But he's got a fabulous short game, Bubba, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, great short game. Uh, really, I don't, I don't really see a weakness other than his uh, temperament having gotten in the way in the past and maybe not being that accurate. But then, you know, what I saw at Riviera was just stunning how how straight he could hit it when he needed to or hit a fairway. And and then just to be able to call on a 350-yard drive when you need to is just, that's amazing. It's a handy go-to shot, isn't it, Clayts? You can, you can, you
1: can, you can well, do it's... that at any tournament. <laughs> There's never much left after you have hit it. No, that's uh,
0: that's exactly. Right. Let's talk about some of the other players or the contenders. I mean, it really turned into a two horse race by Sunday. What was your take on Jordan Spieth? He copped a bit of criticism, which I found surprising afterwards for
2: apparently being well, petulant. Yeah, the course. What, what was you that? guys get you get the CBS feed, so you got the same thing that most of the people on on uh, Twitter and uh, my site and elsewhere uh, were were uh, critical of. And I, I yeah, I've watched him play a lot on the West Coast swing, so. I know how he plays, and I find it sort of entertaining watching him talk through his shots, and and I mean he just analyzes them immediately, and and because he's well liked by the press, uh, Bubba used to do some of the same stuff, and and some of those times that he turns and starts barking at his caddy, Bubba is accused of of badgering his caddy. Jordan is just uh, you know being analytical, which I think is kind of an example of where the uh, the feelings about players get get a little bit lost, but. I don't know what, what – I I know he had a, a couple one-handed swings, but I, I did hear from people who were really uh, sort of offended by his behavior. And and uh, I don't know. Did it come across that badly? It wasn't um, Ricky Barnes at Huntingdale, was it, Clates, which was just
0: horrendous behavior. I think he slammed the club once. I certainly didn't notice watching it. And Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just how you feel about people. If Bubba had done it, you'd say Bubba's being petulant. Jordan Spieth seems all right. You Don't notice, but it wasn't on the scale of what we saw Ricky Barnes pull down here that year, was it? Plates by any stretch, I didn't think
1: it wasn't on any sort of scale. It was fine, I mean, he's whacked the club into the ground at 10. But I mean, boy, everyone complains golf pros are boring and there's no personalities out there. And some guy does something slightly out of the ordinary, and yeah, you know, okay, you can pick on it. But wow, he's a 20 year old kid playing the Masters, yeah, he's 20, in the yeah, in the yeah. Last group
0: with a two shot lead through seven holes. It would have all been now, a little bit overwhelming, you would think, well, what, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, and what he does do, he does have to channel some of his energy because he he expends spends so much on the course uh, analyzing each shot and kicking himself uh, after the shot and talking to his caddy about uh, how it could have been better. And at some point, that's just going to wear him out. But he's 20, so he's the fact that he does that, I think that was the thing that, that most impressed me when I got to watch him in the West Coast Swing events is he's working so hard to try and get better and And you don't see a lot of young players uh, that analytical. I mean, he's a lot like Trevino on the course, a lot of it except for the joke cracking. He's got the same kind of nervous energy where he's doing the play by play of everything with the caddy. He just isn't as funny. and uh, uh, but I I, I I do think at some point he's gonna have to to tone it down a little. Uh, and I, I've actually Crenshaw and I, I talked to him about that. He said, yeah, that's the one thing he uh, he has to just make sure he doesn't let him uh overtake kind of his whole uh personality on the course in
0: his own defense Shaq he did see himself on television after a performance i think it was in hawaii and said publicly i really He apologized on twitter and said i really need to that's right
2: i look like a brat and i don't like the way that's right yeah that's a good point i'll have to dig that back up i forgot about that
0: yeah Yeah. and and, uh, called it on himself which was a good thing players need to have some fire in the belly don't they clates i mean if you don't if it doesn't upset you to play bad golf, how are you going to be motivated to play good golf? You, you've got to have it, don't you, some of that?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just didn't see an issue with it He's a kid. Yeah. I mean, I've seen plenty of bad behaviour on the golf course, me being the worst of it, but <laughs> um, give him a break. I mean, seriously.
0: What do you think about that, uh, Clayton? It's 20 years old, leading the US Masters through seven holes on a Sunday. We, of course, were pumping up Oliver Goss down here in Australia, and rightly so, the only amateur to make the cut and a seriously good player, won a, a PGA Tour of Australasia event down here, the West Australian Open, a couple of years in a playoff over another uh, another amateur. So the the kid can play, both 20 years old, not even in the same league. And Ollie Goss is seriously good. So how good is Jordan Spieth? Well,
1: he's, he's been good for a couple of... I mean, he was good when he was 16. He played that... Really good tournament at the Baron Nelson, I think, when he was 16. So he's been around. It's not like it's a surprise. He's been around. And I mean, the world's seen good 20 year old golfers before. Jack Nicklaus was pretty good when he was 20, and Sevy was pretty good when he was 20. And, you know, so it's, it's not unusual to be. I mean, well, it is unusual, obviously, but there have been great 20 year old players before. Bobby Jones was good when he was 20. So, you know, if you can figure it out and you've got the right mental stuff and you can play, then you can play at 20. It's not incomprehensible.
0: Overlooked in all of it, I thought. Uh, Shaq this whole week was Jonas Blixed finished joint yeah. runner up and
2: barely spoken about.
0: Um, seriously good player, obviously handled it all pretty well. I thought.
2: Yeah, I got to watch him on uh, Friday, uh, Thursday. He was playing with Crenshaw, and I watched him for about uh, fourteen holes, and very impressive in all ways, and and um, really can putt and that's kind of why one of the reasons he hung around uh on the weekend but yeah i was about to say young nerves were really helpful there but then the the craziest thing of all about this tournament uh was was the performance of the the old guys you know six 50 year olds make the cut that's just it's just nuts
0: and of course freddie doing his annual his annual thing yeah yeah and And longer doing
2: his his annual uh uh thing too yeah but um uh, Larry Mize and Sandy Lyle and Jimenez. I mean, it was uh, that was really amazing. Check?
0: Did anybody have any theories? Did you speak to any of them? Did, any, did they have any? Or was it just a coincidence, a weird thing that they all managed to put it together that week?
2: Well, I think Mickelson's comment earlier in the week that only about 10 to 12 people had a chance to win because when the Greens got that fast, local knowledge became such a big part of it. And uh, and and most of those people were talking about have played there so many times that they just know how to deal with certain hole locations and where to miss it. And, and, um, I mean, it doesn't, they're still playing great golf, but they, you have to figure that does account for a f- couple of shots around where they just, uh, they just know certain things not to do out there. Yeah, with the cup being so high, gives them a better chance. Speaking of Mickelson, probably the most entertaining
0: 25 minutes of the week, I thought was his Tuesday press conference. He is just, uh, yeah, he's a genius in these situations. He talked about I can't remember whether it was in the swing, the press conference, or elsewhere. He talked about um, the length of his swing being the key to him not being injured because he doesn't have a short, violent action like a lot of players. Is this how he gets inside Tiger's head, Shaq? It always strikes me <laughs> that whenever Phil says something, there's a there's something in there oh. for Tiger to think about. Particularly, um, what was your take on
2: every everything he says is calculated. It it's isn't? it's. Uh, I mean, he comes off the course at Muirfield and he's uh, saying the course is right on the edge and it's about to get away from him. And then the next day he comes back and apologizes. But sure enough, that next day, uh, they took it down a notch. They put a little water out there. And so, yeah, everything he does is, I and mean, I know he just loves to do that stuff with Tiger, probably just to see if Tiger's paying attention. Um, and Unprompted, he, may- he went into a
0: rave about how good Tiger's been for the game and
2: yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it was it was quite extraordinary. Clay, so that, is there mind games at the top like that? Do you think, or are we reading too much into it? But Mickelson to me seems to do everything he can at all times to just get inside Tiger Woods's head. I reckon.
1: Well, I heard one of the funniest stories of the craft. I'm not sure if I should tell this, but I'll tell it anyway. Tommy Watson, who came to So Young Ru, was in Japan, came from Brendan Jones, and he. Tiger came to a dinner and sat out, and he started paying out on Mickelson. And he was talking about the conversation they had when Phil was putting the jacket on Tiger at Augusta in 2005, I think it was. And Tommy tells the classic story about the trash talk that was going on. In the end, Tiger said, he said, just put the damn jacket on and go away and shut up with you, Phil. And he was like, Tommy, you can't imagine the, the, the things that Tiger – Tommy said that Tiger – the conversation between Phil and Tiger, when they're all smiling on TV putting the jacket on and Mickelson was trashing about the lucky hat and you should never have won you lucky so-and-so and, so, and oh, just put the damn jacket on, Phil, and shut up. And it was like – it was the funniest conversation.
0: It shame? It's never shame it's never come to fruition on the course with those two.
1: Yeah, it never really has, has it? you it? Know,
0: it would be great to see, wouldn't it? Because there's genuine feeling there, I think, yeah. uh, between the two. Did you see Sobel's little thing that he did check? He put it I did, yeah. Of- I posted it, yeah. The conversation, which was uh, – which I thought was brilliant. What was your take on Mickelson this year, uh, Shaky? I thought he was good to go. I thought he was going to win the thing because he'd done nothing all year, and that's just such a fil thing to do. But he really never got going, did he?
2: No, I think he's going to look back and, and for a number of reasons, regret the uh, the cash grab in Abu Dhabi, uh, starting with the uh, the video, which is all over YouTube of he and Rory doing the uh, the whole club twirling thing, but. It just more more importantly, it just threw his whole season off. You know, he, yeah, not everybody needs to be playing well going into the, into the masters, but in general, we've seen these people who play sort of their set schedule on the West Coast and Florida, building up to the masters, they do well. And, and it's not really that complicated of a formula, and he, he's had a very consistent schedule over the years, going into Augusta. And this year, he he kind of threw that out. And part of it was because of fatigue left over from last year, which was a case for a few people. Adam Scott, uh, Matt Kuchar took on their vacations in, in uh, January, February. So I've got to think that uh, he's thought about that and, it, it, and isn't pleased because his uh, health's been a little bit off, and you never know what's going on there when, when you get a little older and you sit on an 18-hour flight. What happens? And so it was—it was pretty much a disastrous uh, performance for him, and uh, especially because he started to play well the week before. But uh, you just have to wonder what what uh, what he's going to do next year to, to try to, to to go into there on a on a better note.
0: No, no. <laughs> in the, that bunker to bunker to bunker thing was just uh,
2: was extraordinary. yeah. Never seen the likes of it. Clates, so
0: you mentioned the craft. I wanted to get your take. You of course caddied for Suo at the first women's major of the year. Won by, as you pointed out in your column, another particularly unorthodox golfer in Lexi Thompson. I mean, how she doesn't break that wrist with some of those shots they show in slow mo is quite uh, quite remarkable. But what was your take on being at the first women's major of the year? You've been to other you've been to men's majors, obviously. What was the buzz like, and how did you enjoy the experience?
1: Well, I enjoyed catting. It was great fun. Um, there's no buzz at all, really. I mean, you play a practice round. We played a practice round with the Webb, In fact, two of them, and there was no. There's no one there in the watching the practice rounds. It's just, you know, it's completely opposite of the only major i ever played in was the Open. And, you know, that when they, there were forty thousand people there on Monday, and so it feels massive. There was, but there was no one there in the practice rounds. It just felt like to me like a regular tournament, and the course is unremarkable. It looked all so,
2: It's one of the nicer things ever said about it.
1: Yeah. So, so you get no sense of any, you know, the golf course being a part of it. It's just a place to play golf, and it's cut horribly, and you know, the mowing lines are terrible, and the roughs terrible, and so it's just you don't get any sense of it being a major, really, except that I'm not sure how they, and then and the prize money is terrible. You know, I was staggered at the because because she's an amateur. I wasn't looking at the prize money much, but. you know, a $2 million purse is, not, is just a regular event on the women's tour and it's not enough for a major, I don't think. I mean, the, you know, the women have parity in the grand slams in tennis which because they, they couldn't have anything else because they play at the same courts the same week so you can't do anything else. But, you know, I was staggered at the level of prize money. And, and my assumption is that why isn't there a major in Asia? I mean, Asia's contributed so much to women's golf. It's huge up there. It's clearly the future of the women's game. So why aren't they trying to create something in Asia?
0: They've got five clades. I mean, are
1: we going to go well, to six majors? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, you know, from the outside, of my, you know, it seems like it's crazy to have two in Europe. What the Evian just, what? what's that about? And, you know, clearly there should be a major in Asia. If they want to create some history, then, you know, in a hundred years' time, they need to start creating something now that's going to be a great event in a hundred years because it's, you know, it's a huge. Tom Watson, who, who, you know, who I mentioned before, I mean, he's up in. Career with so Young Ru catting there for six or eight weeks. Here he said it's just massive up there. So to me, you either, if I was in charge of it, you would take the craft or you would take the Evan and take one of them to Asia and make a major up there.
0: What's the problem with women's golf clubs? Why don't we watch it? Why doesn't it have the same support as men's? It's entertaining, isn't it? I mean, they play good golf, the women.
1: They do. I mean, Michelle Weasel, I mean, she's terrific. And I mean, Lexi plays like Bubba the same. She just gets there and smashes it. And you wouldn't want to play with that swing for a whole, you know, for, for long. But Well, what a player. And the two of them show that, you know, they just play golf. They're not playing golf swings or track mounting or trying to look pretty. They're just playing golf and hitting great shots and they're strong and they smash it and it's fun to watch. I mean, I was staggered she won. I didn't think she could win. I mean, she just – she didn't look – I mean, Michelle would look like she was playing a whole lot better on TV to me, so I assumed she would win, but – she wasn't in the race. She played a great front nine on Sunday, and that was the end of it, really.
0: It's a bit like the Masters, wasn't it, Shaq? It was a bit of a letdown, sadly. What a great head-to-head that could have been. We versus Thompson over the back nine at the women's first major of the year would have been terrific for the game. But Clades makes some interesting points, doesn't he? He mentioned the word TrackMan, and I know you did a big piece on TrackMan. Are we going to see more Bubba and Lexi Thompson-type swings as people go back to focusing on the ball rather than what the swing looks like? Video has given us what the swing should look like. Is TrackMan going to give us the, don't worry about that, what's the ball doing?
2: Well, that was the, the the takeaway I had in uh, doing research for uh, for the article, and it'll it'll take some time, but I do think that's the case, and which is why it's so interesting that there are uh, such strong skeptics of that out there, and I think it's mostly because they haven't gone on it and worked with an instructor who knows how to use it, and I think once they do that, they would realize uh, that wow, yeah, it's actually going to get us away from positions and aesthetics of the swing and get people focused on what the ball's doing so it's um uh I mean there will still be some who just don't don't know how to use it or they'll they'll take the numbers and use it the wrong way but I think there will be many more that that don't and uh but yeah it, it's really neat to see all these players right now with uh, I mean Jordan Spieth does not have an attractive golf swing under the the if you're going by aesthetics and uh and yet he just plays golf incredibly well. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts in that swing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Piece, very it? retro. A uh, lot of lot of leg and ankle and foot and action, but makes an old man uh, make me hurt just to just to look It at does. It, yeah.
0: It seems to me. What about your take on women's golf? Though, of course, craft Craft uh, Nabisco out as sponsors. They've been sponsoring that tournament for a very long time, and just the fact you've got a major that's got a Sponsor's name Attached to it uh, Is an odd thing But what's your take On sort of women's golf What should they do What can they do Mike Wan's done a great job Of getting the tour Back on track Is this maybe his His next uh, assignment Is what can we do With the majors To actually You know Apart from the US Women's Open They all do suffer a bit Don't they They've all got a sponsor's name Attached to them None of them have the Even close to the level Excitement of men's majors
2: no, no. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, the golf courses are, are part of it. The, uh, the venues, when they go to a quality venue, it, it really enhances the uh, interest in watching their tour. And we all know that a lot of the people in, in uh, power have never valued the importance of architecture. And, you know, the, you see the PGA Tour now has really done that. Um, the USGA always has. Uh, they just go and the setup usually uh, emasculates whatever great architecture is there, but they at least understand the cachet of going to a great venue and what that brings and being able to talk about the history and see these players play a course that was played by other greats. And uh, I don't know how many truly great designs would, would, uh, would welcome a women's tournament. Uh, our belief, I think, has been that no way. I think we've even talked about this on the show, but that uh, that there there may be more great designs available to the women in the future, just because there's so many of them that can no longer host the men. Uh, so I would that would be my thing with him is to encourage uh, to encourage seeking out quality venues and, and stop worrying about what's on the cover of uh, Golf Digest.
0: <laughs> let's not uh, let's not touch that one just yet. He
2: has said, Jack. Uh,
0: that every year he has the conversation with the Augusta National. Oh, yeah, that's
2: just a waste of time. To have have the Masters there.
0: But uh, what about a U.S. Women's Open at Merion Clates? Would that have been a better thing than the men's U.S. Open, which I think we all agree wasn't a particularly good show?
1: Well, you you can't – well, they don't play as well out of the rough, so you can't have that, but – I mean, we played Royal Melbourne yesterday off the back tee, so we played 7,000 yards away. I mean, she, she plays it fine. She can manage a 7,000 yard course, no problem at all. So, and it's a great course. And so it's, I mean, clearly the courses are the issue. I mean, I've never seen the Evian course. I don't imagine it's particularly good. Um, you know, the US Open, certainly in Curry's eyes, is the main major because it's always on a great course and it's, you know, it's clearly the major event. The British Open's going to Berkdale this year, I think. So that they're they're playing good courses, but. Yeah you know, from the outside you just can't take a major seriously when it's played on Mission Hills in Palm Palm Springs it's just seriously this is a major I mean
0: talk a bit about the course Kate. on television I've not watched it particularly closely previously there you go I'm a prime example golf nut don't even watch the women's first major of the year all that often I haven't had access all the time either through pay tv but on television the course just looked awful truly awful just strips of horrendously mowed green turf in between rough the bunkers were in the rough as far as i could tell yeah. It's just
1: it looked I mean, terrible. I mean, it could be all right. I mean, the thing that staggers me is that the greenkeeper there could go to Kingston Heath or Royal Melbourne and see how the mowing lines are and, you know, it's big expanses of short grass. There's no rough around the greens. It would go there and say, well, this course is amazing. But they would go back to America and never learn the lesson. They would just go and just keep cutting 28-yard wide fairways and a strip of rough that's an inch long and the rest is sort of a certain length and it's all so predictable and... I mean, everything, every hole is exactly the same width. Every strip of rough, every section of rough is the exact same width as it was on the hole before. And the course would, if you went there and just cut all the rough, got rid of the cart paths, just cut all the rough, it would be so much better. And if you built some decent bunkers, cut them into the greens, you could tweak a few holes, you could make it a decent golf course. But, you know, it's just cut so badly. So you can't go anywhere. It, you know, if you can't cut it properly, you can't go anywhere. You've got to cut the rough and then it would look so much better. It would play better. It would... Would feel better. I mean, it's not a dreadful golf course. It's just cut so appallingly badly, and you know you could tweak it and make it you know acceptable. But still, you know, the, if a major's to be taken seriously, it needs to be on a great golf course. And the women are perfect for these sort of six thousand eight hundred yards, seven thousand yard courses. They can play them. They can play them fine. So you know, so, so whilst you've got to distort Merion to, to restrain the scores, you've got to grow the rough and you've got to put tees back in ridiculous spots for the women. You don't. So they're the perfect candidates for playing, you know, the great old American golf courses that are too short for them. but they're perfect for them.
0: Shaq, is that, that course, that mission, does it look like that all year or is it more like what Clates is describing for the rest of the year? I mean, obviously you think the fairway.
2: Yeah, no, be that's better, how it, but. yeah. No, it's a traditional uh, desert overseeded golf course. It's a uh, Desmond Muirhead that's been... Uh, the 17th hole's been redone, I think, more than once. And uh, I mean, there was one really awful redo uh, in the 90s that uh, it was just like you left the rest of the course. And, but yeah, that's that's the look, the the lush oversea. It did look to me like they've narrowed it a little bit. I was shocked to see how much rough there was between some bunkers and it was quite fairway confronting. On, wasn't 18? Uh, yeah, got those
0: shots from above, and it was like, wow, that this golf hole's been transported from somewhere else. It doesn't fit on that yeah. piece of land by the look yeah. of it. The way the way that uh, they've cut it. How much say do the LPGA get in that
2: Shaq? in the 70s? I don't know. I believe they though have the right. I'm pretty sure. Like anything else, it's their golf course, so they should be able to set it up, and that's what they do. And yeah, that's the mentality. Oh, it's a major, so you grow rough and you have fast greens. It's it's uh it's just sort of uh, uh, something we're stuck in here, and uh, it's dying a little bit. But it's uh, it's uh, Augusta. There's there's less rough than there's ever been there. Well, since they Added the second cut, but they've they've definitely widened out Augusta, and uh, that that they've done very quietly. The next the next step hopefully would be to, to do some some uh, tree work.
1: But and, and and speaking of that 18th hole, that's just a truly awful hole. That thing in the craft, it's a, I mean it's just a seventy five yard par three, but it's just a yeah. horrific hole. And they try and make they move the tee up, and you can't see the water on the left, and there are trees in the fairway, and there's stupid bunkers on the outside. No, it's oh. I mean, it is just. Architecture, horrible, 101. It's just a horrible hole. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love your formula take out the cart paths and mow some of the rough and start again. That formula for yeah. a lot of courses around the place, I think. Clayton yeah. well,
1: it okay. You okay. Know, if you took the cart paths out, because one of the girls who hit a cart path and the third hole went out of bounds. So cart paths are just unacceptable, horrible. But it's almost as though they've, they've got rough inside the cart path. So you can't cut the rough. You can't cut the fairways wider because you finish up I mean, cart paths right on the edge of the fairway. So get rid of the cart paths, cut the rough, get all the bunkers into the fairway instead of in the rough, and, and it would be okay. But you know, it's still never going to be great. But it would be so much better than it is. But I just don't think they see it. You know, they they would just think you're completely mad if you suggested that. Like, what are you talking about? You can't cut the rough; it'll be too wide. Well, you know, put the bunkers up against the greens and put the pins behind the bunkers if you have to. Create the angles. That complicated.
0: Uh, tour- tournament organizers, Shaq, are far more interested in logistics than the golf course, aren't they? When you're organizing the U.S. Open, it's far more important where you put the corporate hospitality than whether the 18th at Merion plays the way it's supposed to play. Uh, in
2: in in general, yeah, uh, they they I think they're definitely better than they they used to be. Most tournaments, the USGA oddly used to be outstanding at it, always. Uh, ensuring that the golf course and the presentation of it was far more important than any of the commercial stuff. And now they've been kind of inching the other way. And now you have corporate tents pretty, where they can actually watch play. That was something that was uh, unfathomable to, to uh, previous uh, USGA executive committees. And now that's, uh, they, that, that's they, they want more of that. So that's, uh, but in general, I think architecture is starting to get a little more respect so negative that
0: I didn't mean to be. I agree. I do think we're seeing a bit of a comeback. A couple of other issues, Shaq, that have popped up on your site. Uh, you mentioned it, so you get to have one free. Say so you got a fair bit of pushback from your readers, taking oh. Mike Wan to task about mentioning the Paulina Gretzky cover uh, during the first women's major of the year.
2: Defend yourself. Well, look, Karen Kraus of the New York Times uh, ask players questions. And the players answered them honestly. And she wrote an article. Perfectly fine. It's in the middle of a major. Uh, great, whatever. It's a news story. It's a one-day thing. And uh, and then the commissioner comes along on on when he wants to focus to be on his players, issues a statement to the media. You know, a more subtle way to do it would have been to give an interview to somebody, voice your uh, displeasure that the LPGA hasn't been on many covers. but. He turned this into a whole episode. You went to their website on Friday night. It was the top news story, and I just thought that was so irresponsible to take away the focus from the players. You can debate the merits of the cover and, and Paulina Gretzky all day long. That's fine, but don't don't uh, don't get in the way of your tournament that way. And he he created a a, uh, a news story. It was great for Golf Digest because he. He, uh, it would have died if it had not, had not been for his statement. And to me, that's just a textbook example in sports business classes. I think of, of how not to handle something, uh, which, by the way, is no crisis for the LPGA. Uh, there was no, there's no article in the magazine saying, uh, "Look at Paulina, the LPGA is awful." It, it just, uh, it's a fitness issue, and they, they. You know, they go for the the uh, the person who's going to create buzz on the cover, and that's what they did. And 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 then he just uh, he helped it along.
0: It's a great call, isn't it? The fitness issue—that's a super idea. Whoever had that idea in publishing really had uh, had a terrific idea. <laughs> <laughs> to that, to that every year. His point, though, is—I uh, think this is what people maybe misunderstood. You. His point was very valid. It was his timing that you've taken issue with. Is that?
2: Yeah, yeah, and then people just could not handle the fact that I was simply picking on 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 his timing, and uh, and then you know to hear all the lecturing from from media people too about how Golf Digest is sold out. Well, I have a photograph that I I chose not to put on the blog because I was more interested in the Masters, but at the Masters they have piles of of all the current magazines. They have Golf Digest April issue. They have the Sports Illustrated Master's Preview, the Golf Magazine April issue. And then they added the May issue of Golf Digest with Paulina on the cover. On, this was all there on Sunday. All the piles were about the same height. There was maybe one or two uh, uh, difference in the um, number in the piles. And, and by Tuesday afternoon, all the piles uh, were the same except the Paulina pile, which was down to one copy. So uh, you know, hearing some of the media people uh, lecturing us about uh, about the magazine, and then they all that's a, that's the one they go grab. I mean, valid, come on,
0: valid research, Shack, and you can't try and paint it any other. No, way. No, you know,
2: I was walking on the way out, and I and something caught my eye. I just didn't. I thought it was really, and I I turned and I I just oh, I have to take a photo of this. <laughs> this is
0: magnificent. Let's move on. Something that is near and dear to your heart, Clates, the 15-inch cup, Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia, TaylorMade, Hack Golf. The big test, did you see this, Clates? They had the big uh, the big sort of test with it uh, Monday after the Master Shack, I think?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, well, we played it. We played that Pro-Am last year with two of them, and uh, it seemed stupid to me. It's, it's not the point of golf. I mean, it just completely changes the way you play, and um, I know, just didn't see the point of it really. I mean, for kids maybe, but it just distorts putting. So ugly because you don't care, you know, you're never going to three parts, so you just smash everything and just I, I didn't see the point of it really. It seems stupid to me,
2: but but let me ask you this the, the one thing that really got my attention in reading about it was this, this mm. notion that the, the round picked up by 45 minutes. And I, I, as you know, I'm just so tired of these, of the, the, the fast green love fest and the refusal, yeah of people to even consider that slowing greens down would have an impact. And doesn't it reason that when you get greens to 14 on the stint meter that a larger cup uh, in a way makes sense to sort of offset the amount of time that is wasted on – on now, I mean, 15 inches to me is ridiculously large. but yeah. What about six? But, what does everyone think about six? Yeah, or six or seven, somewhere in there. I, I just think it's an interesting – Notion that uh, it speaks to me as to how much uh, putting and the time spent on the greens is is just bogging the whole game down, and most of it's agronomic in the way we treat our greens.
1: Well, it is, and it's people trying to read parts too yeah. much. I mean, people, and people just just hit the ball. I mean, it's, you know, people spend too much time reading parts. They and, and it's, you're right. The, the, the speeds are. Again, at Royal Melbourne yesterday, I mean, it was there were lots of four feet putts because it's hard to put. You don't putt the ball within a foot of the hole as you do on greens that are seven or eight or nine or ten. We had a couple of putts on the sixth green that one of us was twenty feet left for the whole pain down the slope, and you we all tried to get a twenty foot putt within six feet, and we couldn't. So, you know, it's just you ride right, the speeds. The critical thing, not that I don't think this it would speed it up, I guess, the size of the hole, but. Yeah, you know, we're obsessed with speed.
2: Well, the other thing I just I, I keep getting caught up with this with the green speed thing, and and it, and maybe it was playing with uh, at at the uh, the Hickory course, but yeah, people keep asking me why I don't like certain courses, and I I mentioned how the greens need to feel like they're an extension of the fairway, and we've got such a disconnect now between the golf course tee to fringe to to the greens. And the overemphasis of greens and the overemphasis of putting. And I, I just I kept thinking about that watching this Masters where, where, where s- obviously there was an, uh, a role of, in knowing local knowledge, knowing the architecture, knowing where to miss it. But it also just seemed like such an overemphasis on one part of the game. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't think larger cups is necessarily the way to get around that. But it, it feels like that's something that, that really needs to be thought about. And all this grow the game discussion.
0: Clay, so I think you said something, you know, which would cut if playing time and cutting playing time is one of your goals. You wrote a terrific column in Golf Australia magazine, which is not related to Golf Australia, who you write for on the internet, but it's uh, it's, it's own yeah. separate entity. And you talked about, and I've heard you talk about this, you know, why are we so obsessed with the scorecard? Doesn't golf take too long? Partly because, as you say, people line up putts off 20, handicaps of 22, line up putts from four sides because they think the score is so important.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just—I mean, I just I, we played. I played with three at Metro where I played three women the other day. They, there was a swap day, so the, the members of Victoria play at Metro, and the Metro members go and play Victoria. And there were three girls who were well, women who I've known forever who stayed at Metro, and we played late, and they were upset because there wasn't a comp. I said, "Well, just let's go and play golf," and we went and played eighteen holes. And we just played golf and we threw balls around, hit shots in bunkers and we didn't score and we had a match. And, wow, this is fun. It was almost like it was a foreign concept that you would actually go on a golf course and not take a score. You'd actually just go and play golf for fun and sledge a bit and have a match. And, you know, it was it was almost as though they'd never done it. And they're in their 50s. It was like, wow, you should just go and play golf more often.
0: Now, Why that? Are you that notion, it, it, it sounds, Clay, like they were almost – uh, bemused by the notion that golf could be fun
1: well they're upset one of them, one of them was upset she couldn't put a card in for a handicap all right she went out and shot about she shot about three under par i didn't play with her for years she played fantastic golf but sure let's just go and play golf let's just go and have a match and sue finished up coming out We've, we we finished up playing the back nine as a five ball which of course they would never do can we play as a five yeah let's go and play as a five no one's going to say anything we just had a great time. We just played golf and hit balls around and hit shots and, you know, fought around. And it was great fun. And it was, and it was quick. And it was quick. Yes. That's the thing, isn't it? It's quick. That's exactly right. So amazed our little time. You know, we are around in nine holes in a five, nine holes in a four. We We're around in less than four hours easily.
0: Yeah. Shaq, we do this as kids but then it all seems to get lost. I mean, adults, and and I I don't know, it's probably different in America, but certainly here in Australia, Clates is right. Virtually every round of golf you play in Australia, you'll have a scorecard in your pocket and a pencil. Competition golf is just constant. Most clubs have a competition each and every day of the week virtually. Um, Where's the merit in trying to sort of encourage people to have have a crack at just going and playing the golf course for fun, what we call social golf here in Australia? Just have a hit with your mates, not for a score or in a comp.
2: Well, that's one of the, the things that everybody's going to be trying to address with the 8 million task, for, task forces, because uh, you keep hearing this where people say, uh, I went to hit balls, or I, I now I'm mostly just a range player, I'm not a real golfer, or we we play, we play only play nine, we didn't play real golf, and the, I, I don't know what drove this home that real golf is playing 18 holes and grinding out a score and, and turning in a score, but it's... Depressing to think that people don't view themselves as a part of our community of golfers because maybe their their life only allows them to go hit a bucket uh, once a month, or uh, they they play nine holes in an executive course. I mean that is really. Uh, I had a doctor, a really bright guy, say that to me. I didn't play. I you know I just played nine. We didn't play real golf. I'm like, dude, you've <laughs> you played nine more holes than that I've played this month. So you are a golfer and um and that's just a weird weird uh thing that's that's overtaken the sport it just may be cultural yeah we love our numbers we love to account for everything and rank things and uh, look if you talk about grow the game I, i've always thought
0: this is a part of the problem clates non-golfers have a completely skewed view of golf and how it works don't they and that might well be a part of it, you know. You can't consider yourself a real golfer if you don't play competition golf, or if you're not a member of a club or have a handicap. You've played the game for a long time. Non-golfer's image of the game is so off the mark, isn't it?
1: Well, I remember when my when I first was conscious of golf, and my dad would go and play. And my first question when he came home was, "What did you score?" Which was, you know, people, yeah, yeah people think people think it's about scoring. It's about, I mean, for me, it's about. Playing with friends and playing a golf course and hitting shots and right? I mean no no one had any idea what we scored yesterday. We, you know we played. I finished up playing one of the best thirty-six hole days in golf, in at Royal Melbourne and in at Kingston Heath, and no one no one had any idea what anyone scored. We weren't scoring. We were just playing golf, hitting shots and playing holes and think talking about the golf course and you know it's great fun. I mean I mean obviously not everyone can do that, but. Play a Royal Melbourne and Kingston Heath one day, but boy, it's great fun. It doesn't get any better than that. In
0: fact, most can't, and It feels like you're rubbing my face in it now as you're talking about <laughs> so you can stop that immediately. What about that idea of how people view golf from outside the game? Do you think that's a problem? I mean, you must have come across lots and lots of people who are first-time or very occasional golfers at pro-ams and events and whatnot over time. People who don't play, their view of what golf is like, to me, has always seemed really skewed.
1: Never thought of it. I, I suppose, I, I, don't, I guess it is. I mean, it's just... Just a ball and a stick and hitting it in a field, isn't it? Really? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the thing that amazes me as someone who likes golf is that people think it, lo- it looks boring. And it's, and I guess that's the, you know, it's the image it has from people outside of golf, which is why John Huggins' column, Huggy wrote a terrific column about why Harry Styles was way more important to the future of golf than Ricky Fowler. Harry Styles is a lead singer in One Direction who's, um, came out to Australia and played golf every day and Karen up and Tananda in the Barossa Valley and complete golf nut, plays all the time. And Here's millions of teenage girls who've never heard of golf and here's this kid playing golf. and Well, what is this game? He's kind of making it cool a little bit for a whole section of the world who know nothing about the game. So, Huggy's point about, you know, this guy's way more important to golf than Ricky Fowler was pretty valid, I thought. And, of course, the... Um, Brendan and James said that it was staggering the number of letters we got saying this, this. guy's an idiot. Why Why do you want role models like this kid? He's got tattoos on his arms and he wears jeans on the golf course. Well, get over it.
2: Well, and I I I heard some unbelievable stuff related to the uh, the Paulina cover in that vein. Uh, that that what what an embarrassment this is to our sport and. And and on and on and like, wow, are we that are we that inclusive uh, or, or exclusive and not inclusive? I it just it's uh, <clears throat> that's a that, that's very much a perception people have that it's a it's it's a very insular little group of people. And and we sh- I, you see examples like this that come along all the time that, that just reinforce that. It's,
0: uh, yeah, interesting
2: stuff. Uh,
0: I'm done, gents. Anybody else got anything else you wanted to particularly chat about that I've missed?
2: No, I think that, did Clates, did you end up playing anywhere else when you were here?
1: No, we went and had lunch in Santa Monica we're on the beach and came home, so we didn't, no, we saw one golf course, that was it, so it was a, it was kind of a, a dull week in that sense, but it was okay, yeah, yeah. it was, a, weather was nice and Santa Monica's a nice place, so we had a day there and got on the plane and came home and it, it always amazes me that people think Australia's so far away when you jump on a plane and get there for 13 hours and you wake up and you're there and yeah. Not very far away at all. No, it's right no. you now. It's, it's it's nothing. It's just, you know.
0: It's all relative, Clayton. So if you never travel more than an hour in any one journey, 13 hours sounds like an eternity.
1: Yeah. It, it just always, it always amazes me that you can go somewhere that's seemingly so far away and get there in such a short amount of time. So, you know, America seems a long way away from here, but, you know, if I went to the airport now, I'd be there before I arrived. You know, we left at 12.30 on Saturday and got there at 10.30 on Saturday, so... You're just you know, such it's an just... old
0: romantic, Clates, aren't you? These, you know, taken with the notion of flying. That's fantastic stuff. <laughs> it's a much better attitude than most approach it with, I'm sure. You at yeah. least get to enjoy it, whereas most of the rest of us just find it uh, painful and awful. Clates, it's been fabulous to talk to you today, mate. Really enjoyed uh, hearing about that, except for the Royal Melbourne and Kingston Heath double, which has just upset me. But that aside, thanks for your input today. Thanks, mate. And uh, Shaq over there in the States, great to chat with you also and uh, looking forward to doing it all again shortly. Okay, thank you, Rod. And that wraps it up for this episode of State of the Game. I do hope that you've enjoyed it. As I said there, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. Looking forward to your company then on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, writer's retreat provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.